Modern orthopedics is a rapidly evolving and exciting field that continues to push the boundaries of what is possible with treatment. Advances in technology, including minimally invasive surgical techniques and the use of robotics, have revolutionized the field of orthopedics, allowing for patients to quickly begin the rehabilitation process and can significantly improve the outcomes of orthopedic procedures. Here is your behind-the-scenes pass to one of the most well-established orthopedic practices in the DFW area. Hi, welcome back to another episode of Modern Orthopedics. My name is Shannon. Um, I've got Dr. Matthew Britt here with us today. Dr. Britt is our podiatrist, one of our podiatrists here at OSD, and he's just going to talk to us about feet today. <laughs> yep, that's what I'm here for. Yeah. yeah. How long have you been here with us, Dr. Britt? Has it been five? Five years. Five years? Mm-hmm. Um, if you'll tell everybody a little bit about where you are from, you know, uh, your family and stuff like that. Yeah, um, I grew up in Louisiana and I was born and raised in a town right outside of Baton Rouge called Denham Springs, a small town. Went to undergrad there and then I went to school, my school up in uh, Cleveland, Ohio and did that, froze to death for four years and said enough <laughs> of that. So I came back to Texas, did residency here in the Dallas area and liked it so much I decided to stay. So like the adage goes, I wasn't born here, but I got here as quick as I could. So, <laughs> you know, I've loved it. Uh, it was actually a different practice before this one and uh, opportunity came to work here. And uh, I love the doctors and the physicians here. They're great. They're great people. Very good physicians, very skilled in their art. And uh, I'm honored to be here to be their foot guy. So uh, it's fun, fun to be here. I think, uh, you know, when we get out markets, people are still surprised. I have to remind people all the time that we have podiatry here, you know, at an orthopedic clinic. So what made you decide or how did that come about you joining an orthopedic group? So it's actually a really funny story about how I got here. Um, so one day I was doing some surgeries up at one of the hospitals here locally at Presbyterian Rockwall. And when I was doing surgeries, Dr. Bernie, he'd, he'd always, me and him always operate on the same days for some reason. And he would always kind of peek in on the window, kind of see what I was doing. And he'd come in and he'd small talk while his room was getting ready. And, you know, we kind of developed a, fr- a friendship there. And, and then one day uh, he just burst in and was just kind of like, Hey, what is it going to, what is it going to take to get you to join my practice? You need to come join my practice. I'm so sick of dealing with these feet issues. I just don't like feet and we need a feet, a foot guy. And so, uh, you know, from that on, I kind of entertained it and we talked more and I, that's how I ended up here. It's kind of a funny story. He kind of recruited me and <clears throat> seemed like a great opportunity. And like I say, I love the doctors here. They're great. Um, they're, they're very good physicians and surgeons, very skilled. So he didn't want to see feet anymore. It's pretty yeah, bad. <laughs> he didn't want to yeah. deal with feet anymore. Yeah. So he said, I just want to do knees and hips and, uh, that I'm fine with that. And you know, he just, you know, just didn't want to do it anymore. So <laughs> that's why he brought me on, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be here. It's a good place. Well, yeah, we kind of all joke up here about how just incredibly busy you are, you know, your, your clinics are, um, they're never slow. They're, you know, 60 <laughs> patients a day minimum, I think. So yeah, there's a lot, of, a lot of footage she pokes out there and I'm honored to take care of them. It's, uh, definitely the, the work and, and the pathology is there. And that's why I think it's so important to be aware about foot and ankle health, especially because it's so common, it's so prevalent. And a lot of people, what they do is they neglect it until it gets to a point to where treatment becomes more difficult and surgical intervention. A lot of times surgery can be prevented just by, you know, being proactive with your health, especially your feet health. So, yeah. And that's kind of what I wanted to start talking about was, and just being um, up here and around, you know, uh, your patients for years, it's like, how do you instill hope in these patients that just have chronic, I mean, it's really a debilitating problem for a lot of people. And, mm-hmm. you know, you can't 
stay off your feet. So how do you instill hope in these people with chronic or debilitating foot pain and, you know, teach them how to keep, you know, their feet healthy? You know, it's all about listening to your body. First and foremost, you know, your body is a very intricate, you know, multifunctional organ system that works together to make you do things you'd like to do and keep you active, keep you healthy. And the problem is, is when you neglect it, or if you don't take good care of yourself, like for instance, if you have a car, you never change the oil, you never change the tires, guess what? You're higher risk for your tires blowing out. And that's kind of the analogy I give to most of my folks with foot pain is that, you know, you got to keep those that tread good on those feet and those tires. So uh, making sure to have good proper shoe gear is very, very important. A lot of people they'll milk shoes out for two to five years. And that's just unbelievable to me. I think you have to really change your shoes every six, 12 months. Um, so something simple as that makes a world of difference in your foot. Um, stretching is very important as well. We incorporate a lot of physical therapy in our rehab because a lot of times there's tendon imbalances, there's muscle imbalances, there's weakness, there's things that develop due to inactivity. And you try to get back to a workout regimen at a very high impact. And that creates a lot of pressure on the foot that can lead to other issues like stress fractures, torn ligaments, torn tendons. You know, it's all about, you know, keeping good balance in your lifestyle, you know, maintaining a good active lifestyle, maintaining good, healthy weight. And then, you know, there's other things that, you know, chronic health conditions like nerve damage and neuropathy and things like that. And there's new, new advances in those types of situations where multifactorial, multimodal treatment you know, plans are going to be needed. So you're going to need like multiple other specialties involved. And I like orchestrating that. So a lot of times it's good to get other specialties involved. And that's kind of where I like to give hope to my patients is that, you know, I'm going to listen to you and I'm going to do everything I can to order the right test to make sure that your problem is solved and, and, and that we have a good treatment plan in place because, you know, a lot of docs, they just kind of brush it in the rug. They ignore you. They don't want to listen to you because, you know, they're just trying to get onto the next person. But, you know, yeah. when, when people come to see me, I, I, I listen, you know, I genuinely want to try to make your life a lot better, whether it's by me or if it's by getting other specialties involved, like neurologists or physical therapists or orthopedic surgeons, you know, it's, it's, it's all about a team approach and the patient comes first and their health comes first. And that's why we, we, we instill that hope in our patients. Well, I, I mean, I think that's why going back to the 60 patients a day, that's why you have, you know, your clinic so busy is because people know when they come see you that they're, they're going to get the best care they can. So along with just general foot care and diabetic foot care, which I know you do a lot of, you do also a lot of like complex foot and ankle procedures, um, ankle replacements, Charcot reconstruction. You kind of want to explain yeah. kind of what that is and yeah, that's something that we don't advertise on our website enough, I think is about the, especially we'll start with Charcot reconstruction. So um, Charcot reconstructions are very complex surgeries. Charcot arthropathy itself is a very complex condition. Um, it's not very common, but when it happens, it's very devastating to the to the patient because their limb and their life is at stake in that. Uh, it's one of the number one reasons why diabetics or neuropathic type patients lose their legs. And so the problem is when you start losing portions of your limb, your life expectancy drops considerably. They've actually in studies shown that people that develop Charcot have a life expectancy similar to pancreatic cancer, which is pretty scary if you think about that. Um, and it just is a simple, it's just a foot condition. You know, you don't think that it would have that kind of morbidity or mortality on someone, but someone's health gets really bad when it gets to that point. So Charcot is a destructive condition of the foot. What ends up happening is that with these individuals, these patients that have neuropathy, um, their bones literally break um, so that it can happen in the ankle. It can happen in the midfoot area. And what it creates is a deformity where the foot basically caves in and it makes this what we call a rocker bottom 
tight foot. So this deformity creates a lot of problems because it puts abnormal pressure on the bottom of the foot, leading to wounds or ulcers, which are a breakdown of the skin. So you get exposed tissue underneath. And the problem is the skin is our number one barrier against infection. So when you lose that natural protection by developing a wound or an ulcer that you see in a lot of diabetics or neuropathic type patients, your risk for getting a bone infection extremely goes you know much higher and so that leads to more high risk for bone infection which means you need IV antibiotics which also puts you at higher risk for limb loss which is not good and I always joke with my patients I say hey you know I can't I don't want you losing parts of your limb because if you lose parts of your limb I I lose business so I can't have that so I'm always going to fight to save your limb you know (laughs) but with with Charco it's it's a very complex condition uh, in that there's there's two really three really good treatments for it uh, the first is we prescribe you a custom boot called a crow boot, and that stands for shark restraint orthosis walker. And so what that is, is that's a specialized customized boot that goes around your leg and your foot to basically take pressure off these these abnormal areas due to the foot deformity. It's something you'll need for the rest of your life when you have this condition um, because you can't really fit in any other shoe gear because your foot's so deformed. So it's really hard to get in a regular shoe. But the most, most important thing is it helps prevent skin breakdown and, and ulceration. There also is a surgical option. There's a reconstruction option uh, that I do. And um, it's a very uh, intricate process. What I, what I typically do with this, based with uh, modern technology, especially with 3D printing, we can actually get a CT scan of your foot. And I actually work with some engineers up in the Frisco area. So we'll actually send your CT scan off to some engineers. I will actually get on the phone with them and they will make a 3D presentation of the anatomy of your foot. And then we basically make calculated cuts on your foot to help correct that deformity, put it back where it should be. We put these customized implants in your foot to restore the architecture of the foot, making it a stable plantigrade foot without deformity. That's the goal of the surgery is to restore that balance to the foot and offload those pressure points that are abnormal. And it's really awesome because this is a new technology that's come out. I've started using it a lot more in my Sharko surgeries and it's made a, made a big difference in you know, outcome and, and saving the limbs and more importantly, increasing years of life on these, on these patients, you know, which is really, really rewarding. And it's very satisfying to see these patients do so well with it. So then at least the third option is basically a below knee amputation, which nobody really wants, you know, and you think about again, about the, the life expectancy when you start to lose, you know, your leg, you know, your life expectancy goes back to pancreatic cancer, which is, which is horrible. You know, there's there's new technology out now, and it's something that I enjoy doing. I I, I love helping these people out because uh, it's it's just not a lot of people want to do it. You know, it's it's because it's high risk. You know, um, but that's what I love about how the technology is advanced with surgical you know treatment modalities and and um, everything is much more uh, calculated. You know, and that I think precision is part of making a good surgery come out well. You know. So I have a couple of questions. Do only diabetics get Sharkafit? No. So uh, that's a good question. So a lot of people, when they, when they get diagnosed with neuropathy, they, they get kind of mad for some reason. And, and I think that's because they think that everyone assumes they're diabetic and this is not always true. Um, you can get neuropathy from a multiple other sources. So most commonly it can be from genetics. It can be from alcoholism. So if you drink a lot, you're at higher risk for getting neuropathy if you have nutritional deficiencies, you can develop it, you know, and those are probably the top few that normally most people get, but diabetes typically is the number one reason that people do get it. But I've seen it happen. People have like 
radiculopathy or back issues, um, you know, chronic back pain, impingement of nerves from the back. Um, they may have trauma to nerves from like a motor vehicle accident. So there's, there's a lot of reasons people get it. So if you're ever diagnosed with it, it's always good to kind of dig a little deeper and see why and what the source is, which is what I always do for my neuropathy patients. So I always order, you know, more testing, um, lab work, just to kind of really see where it comes from. So, and if you a patient has to have the Charcot reconstruction surgery, what are the chances of that happening? Like foot caving in again. So, yeah, that's a good question again there too. So, Charcot is kind of like a it's kind of like a flare up you get with like gout or you know just like if you were to get a cold and it flares up on you, you're capable of having another Charcot uh, attack. It's kind of like a dishwasher cycle in that. You know, your dishwasher goes through a rinse, clean and dry, right? So with Charco, you have an active phase, you have a cool down phase, and you have a pretty much a latent phase, which means nothing's happening. Um, so even though we go in and we, we reconstruct and we repair everything, uh, it can always flare up again, or you can go to what's called active phase charcot. And so when that occurs, the best thing to do is stay off your foot completely because your foot is very fragile in that state. And it looks like it's an infection because it gets red, it gets warm, it gets swollen. You may or may not have pain. And typically a lot of people, when you go like to the emergency room with it, they think, oh, it's gout or, oh, it's an infection. And they'll treat it as such and they'll keep walking on the foot and they really miss the underlying condition, which is the acute phase of Charcot. And that's the most important time to be off your foot completely because any sort of weight on it will destroy those bones and would damage that repair that was performed. Interesting. Another complex procedure you do is you ankle replacements. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Uh, ankle replacements are... They're not new, um, but I still feel like the the frontier for the the improvement on these implants is still going to be good, but it's come a long way. So back in the day, if you were to poll orthopedic surgeons about 30 years ago uh, and you were to say, hey, what do you think about these anchor replacements? All of them would say, don't do it. It's the worst thing you could do and uh, just fuse it. And so it's interesting now, about 40 years later, 30 years later, implants are actually better than a fusion now based on medical data. Um, I actually got to speak at a conference uh, last uh, fall. Uh, We have a, uh, you know, foot and ankle conference that we do a couple times a year. And they asked me to speak about ankle fusion versus replacement. And so we had this poll of doctors that do them. And it was interesting because the consensus across the board was that replacement is the better option. And what they found based on long-term studies is the new implants that have recently come out, they're custom made. So again, the 3D printing technology has really made a big difference. We take a CT scan of your foot or your ankle. We make implants that are customized to your anatomy. So there's no more vanilla uh, this size, this size, and you can still, some surgeons do it that way and they're good with it, which is fine. But I prefer to make the implants more customized to the patient. Cause I feel like it gives a better outcome because everybody's anatomy is different. Um, I'll tell you about one experience we had with a guy. Um, he was a, it was interesting in Texas is if your ankle gets fused and you're a firefighter, you have to retire. But if you get it replaced, you can still work, which is pretty interesting. So this guy came in and he was like, oh, I don't want to get it fused. I want to get a replacement. And uh, the awesome thing about the technology of these implants is we were able to get a CT scan. And because we got it, we were able to identify a cyst in his bone near the ankle joint, which would have made it potentially difficult had we gone in there blind with just an x-ray. What this did is this allowed us to make adjustments and customize his implant to avoid the cyst, which could have called premature replacement implants to prematurely wear or fail. Um, and it was basically, we were able to avoid a potential pitfall that we would have missed otherwise, which I think is really cool. With that being done, he's doing great. He's back to work. He's, he's, he's really happy with his outcome. And, you know, I th- the technology and the studies have all proved that replacements are superior to the, the fusion right now. 
Now, replacement's not for everybody because it's it's individual patient-based. So we have to basically kind of look at a lot of factors when we're evaluating for candidacy for an ankle replacement. So, you know, it's body weight, it's your bone stock, um, your overall health, the position of the ankle. Sometimes the ankles are really bad position and they're just not a good candidate. But, you know, if we can, if you can get one, it's a great, great option for folks. Um, and the, like I said, the long-term studies have shown vast improvement because when you fuse an ankle versus replace it, you put a lot of strain on adjacent joints, especially like the knee and the foot joints, and that can lead to premature arthritis elsewhere. Plus you feel like you're walking on a brick, you know, cause you have no motion and, and, and a lot of people hate that, you know, and, you know, so if, if there's ever an interest, you know, we're happy to go over those options with you. And, um, you know, it's, it's been fun to kind of see how the technology has advanced and I think it's still going to get much, much better, you know, and, and, um, they're, they're great products out there. Obviously in our practice, our, uh, surgeons do, we do a lot of knee and hip replacements. You don't hear about ankle replacements as much. Is that just because the joint doesn't deteriorate typically like knees and hips do in, in people, or is it just people, it's hard to qualify to get an ankle replacement. Yeah. And that goes back to kind of the old adage versus the new adage, right? So a lot of doctors that have been around since the ankle joint replacement inception, they just weren't good outcomes. They weren't good. They weren't good implants either. It's it's being up to date. And that's kind of what we pride ourselves here at OSD is that we, we, we practice modern evidence-based medicine. And, you know, that's why you know, if you, if you live in the past and you study in the past, you'll never learn anything from the future. And so that's something that we strive to do here. As we educate more and more people based on our candidacy for it, I think we'll see a definite improvement in that. A lot of people just don't know about it. You know, anchor replacements still are just kind of like, what? They really make that? And, so, and a lot of people don't know we make replacements for the big toe joint too, you know. So it's, it's kind of a, you know, a lot of people just don't know about it. And it's just something that we have to educate our, our patients on and we really need to re-educate doctors on because of the recent studies. Um, again, because it's kind of like the mantra, like if you hear something when you're trained, you kind of stick with it. Like, oh, the ankle replacements are bad, but it's 2023 now. And there's been such great advances in technology. We have to embrace that and, and actually look, look at our evidence-based medicine, which has proven it to be effective treatment option for, for folks that are indicated for it. So I know you recently uh, went to Yale and did a speaking engagement. You want to talk to us about that? Yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, it was pretty overwhelming, all the all the doctors that were there, you know, because it's a, you know, Yale's a really interesting place. I've never been there, so it was my first time there. And um, it's like its own little, you know, community. City, community, city, yeah. Yeah, and, um, you know, it basically just has a really cool medical mecca to it. Um, it the, you know, the residents there I got to talk to and the attendings there are really nice. Um basically kind of went over, you know, surgical treatment options that have progressed recently. And it was a really good kind of back and forth discussion about, you know, what they do, what they notice. They had a lot of good questions about like treatments for like Charcot for really bad foot deformities, uh, progressions like an ankle replacements and things like that. Um, and also discussed kind of like pain management with a lot of these folks and some, some good options to prescribe for these folks as well. It was a really rewarding experience. Like I said, uh, that's the first time I've ever lectured at a medical school. So it was a lot of, there's a lot of uh, interesting minds there that ha- had a lot of good questions, but it was really collegial and, um, you know, very, very, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed it. I would, I would do it again. I thought it was a lot of fun. It was just kind of a cool experience. So you spoke to podiatry residents? Mm-hmm. That and orthopedic residents too. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So everyone talks about biologics now, you know, stem cells, PRP. How does that look in podiatry? I, I'm a big fan of biologics. Um, 
it's, it's kind of a, um, there's different schools of thought with it. Some people think it's just a hoax by, you know, these companies to make a buck, but, um, I believe in it. Um, and it has great practicality and usage in feet and ankles. So the interesting thing about the foot and the ankle is that it's, a structure in the body that takes an immense amount of pressure and load, right? So imagine how many, think about how many steps you take a day. Think about if you like to run, how many times, how many miles do you run a week? I mean, your feet and ankles take a beating, you know, um, it always cracks me up when people have foot or ankle surgery, how they go, well, I expected this recovery to go a lot faster. I had an appendectomy or, uh, you know, uh, my gallbladder removed and I was back on my feet in two days. I'm like, well, you don't walk on your gallbladder. You don't walk on your appendix. So uh, that's the reason why your foot are taking a little bit longer. Um, because, you know, our feet and our ankles are furthest away in our circulation. They're kind of like the borders of our body. So naturally, it takes a little bit longer in the foot and ankle realm to heal. Um, that's what I love about biologics in that they do help provide more like almost like a cellular scaffold or provide raw materials for your body to use to heal quicker. Um, so whether that be amniotic membrane injections, Wharton's jelly injections, um, the other practical use with these biologics is in wounds, right? So a lot of times people have chronic wounds, whether it be due to genetics, due to diabetes, neuropathy. Uh, fibromyalgia, you know, all those things delay wound healing, especially rheumatoid arthritis. It's just kind of a nature of the beast in these conditions because it's just how the the biology of your body's ability to heal is is altered. Um, So when you basically have like a wound, you can put a biologic patch or like an amniotic membrane patch, and that just provides cellular materials to the healing site so the body can readily use it in a quicker fashion to get you better quicker. So it reduces your healing time considerably by a few months. I think it's totally worth it. And I think it's a great option. What's interesting about foot and ankle biologics is it's still kind of a frontier that yet is yet to be solved, right? So um, that's something that uh, I'm trying to be involved in uh, doing studies on this to help show that these are uh, helpful for patients, that insurance does need to approve these. I think that's something that we need to continue to prove uh, to help people get better quicker so that their recovery times aren't as long because that is something that we do battle uh, in that realm. So I'm a big proponent of it. It's just kind of the most lamest term to think about is that imagine you have an excavation site and you're trying to build something, but you have lazy workers and you want to help get them along. It's like importing your own worker crew with raw materials there to get the construction site moving along. It just moves things along a lot quicker. And so um, that's why I believe in it. And I've seen it work for a lot of my folks, getting them better, quicker than the ones we've used it on. Also helps their wound healing time get decreased by half, which is a considerable amount of time. Um, and I, so I'm a big fan of it. I'm a big believer in it. So as of right now, insurance doesn't cover these uh, injections, right? So yeah. it's cash sometimes, pay. Yeah, sometimes they'll cover it. Sometimes they don't. You have to kind of jump through a lot of, it's a lot of manpower, time, and jumping through just ridiculous hoops to get it approved. And that's kind of what we're trying to, to do is to get to get to a point where we can say, Hey, for this condition, it's approved. And because it does help statistically and, and from a reimbursement standpoint, you know, that, you know, we, we got to figure out a way to make it more streamlined for these patients. And that's something we're trying to shoot for. And since insurance doesn't cover most of them, some of these, they can get an office, correct? Yep. It's an mm-hmm. in-office procedure. Yep. It's very expensive. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if, 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 if you're a fan of it, if you've done your research on it, and, you know, we do believe in it, we do practice it here, and we would love to use it. If, if there's a indication for it and you're not getting any traction with maybe the doctor that's taking care of you, um, we, we're more than happy to look at options and, and, and 
choose the one that's best for you and most affordable as well. Do you think insurance will start covering it in the future? I think so. I think it's going to be the medicine of the future. And I think there, the, there's no limits on what it can do to help people improve um, in recovery and, and with wounds and just overall surgical healing time is, is, can be reduced from this. I believe it. So a question I got asked was, uh, you know, what, what was I asked when I was at the Yale lecture? And a lot of the students asked a lot about kind of my approaches to surgical, um, you know, reconstruction. So, you know, what techniques have helped, what, what has not worked as well. Um, a lot of times I get asked about complications. It's really fun to, to talk to these young minds that are, that are coming up because they seem so much more open to being taught. Um, so it was really fun to kind of, you know, teach them and, 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 you know, bounce ideas off each other, you know, and sometimes I learn things from these residents, you know, maybe there's something new that they learned. I'm, I'm never one to be, I'm too experienced to have anybody else give me advice. I think everybody has good, you know, um, reasoning, uh, if it's, if it's medically, you know, supported by evidence-based medicine, you know, so I'm, I'm never one to be like, Oh no, I don't want to listen to these folks. Cause I already know it all. You know, it's, it's, I think life is a journey, you know, you never can stop learning. And I, I love to learn and, you know, everybody in the country is taught differently. So if you go to the Northeast, if you go to the Southwest, they do techniques much differently. So they always enjoy asking kind of technique, you know, what do you do? What do you like? Even with Dr. Meekum, you know, he was trained in Pittsburgh. I was trained here in Dallas. You know, his surgical technique is different because he's trained in the Northeast. And so there's things that he does that, you know, I wasn't trained on doing, but it does just as good a job. It's just the way he was trained, you know, and it's and, and certain situations call for those variances and in, in, in treatment, for, which is best for the patient. So a lot of times it's, it's dealing with complications, dealing with, you know, complex uh, foot and ankle uh, situations and what do you do? And um, like I say, that was really fun to kind of go back and forth with. Um, and, you know, so many people came up to me and they're like, show me pictures of x-rays and I'm like, hey, what would you do for this? This is, I don't know what to do for this, you know? And uh, I would just kind of walk through them with it and kind of tell them what I would do. And, you know, and they would maybe give some input too. And we, it was just very, very collegial. And, um, you know, that's, that's what medicine's all about, right? It's about, it's not about putting each other down. It's about building each other up. And, uh, you know, that's what makes medicine better. It makes care better, you know? And, uh, you know, a lot of times, a lot of my old friends from school or people I went to residency with, they, you know, they'll call me and text me and, you know, they'll bounce ideas off and just kind of bring the situations up and I'm always happy to talk to them. And, you know, sometimes I'll call them with questions about situations I'm in and it's, it's the same way. It's just everything comes around, you know, but that was, it was a lot of fun to, to talk to them about that. And that was kind of their main, you know, angle, seeing all the cases that we do here. So never stop learning. Right? Never stop learning. Yep. <laughs> well, thank you, Dr. Britt for your time today. Mm-hmm. Thanks for having me.